You've tuned in to Naturopathic Earth Radio with certified health consultant and former obese child, A. Gregory Luna, where you get the latest on clean living, natural remedies, effective weight loss tips, and sound naturopathic principles from experts and biohackers from around the world and Gregory himself. Don't be a slave to big pharma. Break free of the shackles of big food and start your journey now to a long, vibrant, purposeful life. Become a citizen of Naturopathic Earth. Hello, everybody. This is A. Gregory Luna. Of course, you can call me Gregory. And welcome back to another episode of Naturopathic Earth Radio or MPE Radio. I hope you're doing well. I hope Easter Sunday yesterday was great for you. I was fortunate to have my youngest daughter, Olivia, with me, and I took her over to Sunday Mass. At a, I go to a very old school, kind of traditional Catholic church. I think I've mentioned, if, if you haven't listened to my Confessions of an Obese Child, um, I am Catholic, and I do like the traditional churches, the ones that are really beautiful, that have the stained glass and the statuary and the incense and all that. And in most suburbs of the United States now, that it's very hard to find that. But luckily, San Antonio still has one that's very beautiful, so I took her there. And it was great. It was fantastic. So before we begin, of course, the website is naturopathicearth.com, naturopathic earth, N-A-T-U-R-O-P-A-T-H-I-C-E-A-R-T-H. Dot com, Tons of articles, tons of recipes, a picture of me, a picture of Kate, our Twitter feed's there. Check it out. It's wicked retarded. If you want to donate to our Patreon account, which is our crowdsourcing account, you can go there. There's links there. You can donate a dollar, five dollars. And then if you donate 10 or to $50 a month, you get some rewards. Like, for example, a, a consultation with one of us. So check that out. And of course, follow us on Facebook. I did change, if you notice on uh, Apple Podcasts, I did change the name of the podcast from Naturopathic Earth to Naturopathy Earth. Naturopathy Earth. And the reason I did that is just a little better SEO or search engine optimization. People are more more apt to Google nat- naturopathy than naturopathic. All right, so let's begin. I wish Kate was here today to comment on this, what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about some dangers and essential oils. Okay, so we have talked about, or Kate's talked about, and if you don't know who Kate McCall is, she's my cohort in crime with this uh, website, and she has her own podcast feed called Kate's Apothecary. Definitely check that out on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And she talks about essential oils, and she has uh, six episodes, and she covers one oil on each episode and different applications for it and different benefits to the body. And... I think that's a great podcast to listen to. But uh, I wanted to cover this because this came out recently and I wanted to go to endocrine.com. There's no better website for endocrine uh, problems at endocrine.com or .org. So chemicals in lavender and tea tree oil appear to be hormone disruptors. Chemicals in lavender and tea tree oil appear to be hormone disruptors. Not good things. All right, so... I'm going to glean off of endocrine.org uh, and Science News Daily. 
A new study lends further evidence to suspected link between abnormal breast growth in young boys called prebubertal gynecomastia and regular exposure to lavender or tea tree oil by finding that key chemicals in these common plant-derived oils act as an endocrine-disrupting chemical. The study results will be presented Monday at Endo 2018, the Endocrine Society's 100th annual meeting in Chicago. It's good to know they've been around 100 years. So this is fresh off the stacks. Let me tell you, this is from March 18th, so what, two weeks ago. Lavender and tea tree oil are among the so-called essential oils that have become popular in the U.S. as alternatives for medical treatments, personal hygiene and cleaning products, and aromatherapy. Various consumer products contain lavender and tea tree oil, including some soaps, lotions, shampoos, gotta wash that man right out of our hair, I gotta wash, hair styling products, cologne, and laundry detergents. Quote, our society deems essential oils as safe, close quote, says study lead investigator J. Tyler Ramsey. Yeah, you got to love a guy whose first name is a hyphen or whose first name is an initial. J. Tyler Ramsey, a post-baccalaureate research fellow at the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences, part of the National Institute of Health. We just recently quoted the NIH because uh, we had talked about alcohol and they're the ones that are in charge of, of putting the, the limits and quotes on alcoholism and how much alcohol you can drink and so forth. Of course, they do other things. Go back to J. Tyler Ramsey. However, they possess a diverse amounts of chemicals and should be used with caution because some of these chemicals are potential endocrine disruptors, close quote. An endocrine disrupting chemical is a chemical in the environment that interferes with hormones and their actions in the body. Okay, so before we continue, scroll down. Go down to probably episodes 20 through 50, and that's where I really tackled a lot of the other endocrine disruptors that we're exposed to on a day-in, day-out basis. The most famous being plastics, BPA, bisphenol A, but all the plastics are hormone disruptors. Phthalates, I think there's an episode called Phthalates, the Unknown Toxin. Parabens, I have one on parabens as well. All hormone disruptors. Parabens are mostly found in makeup and lotions. Vinyl. I mean, there's tons of hormone disruptors, unfortunately. I mean, it's so much of this crap is getting into the water that a lot of us, not a lot, but there's certain frogs that are asexual now, and the male frogs are losing uh, their penises and their testosterone because of all these things are screwing with the man. So endocrine disruptors affect women by putting too much of estrogen into their body, and the body likes a nice balance, kind of like a thermostat. And so when women get too much estrogen, it actually predisposes them to getting more of the cancer issues and actually becoming overweight. And the men, it causes the men to become overweight, and it causes men to have their sperm production reduced. And we do have an episode on why male sperm production has dropped 50% in the last 15 years and causes the testicles to get smaller and testosterone to drop. So definitely check those out. Scroll between episodes 20 and 50. They're, they're going to be around that area. Male gynecomastia occurs before puberty and is relatively rare, but a growing amount of cases have been reported to coincide with topical exposure to lavender and tea tree oil, and the condition went away after the boy stopped using the oil-containing products. Okay, this is important, and I'm sorry if you hear some sound here. I think somebody's 
blowing leaves outside. Um, this is important because I do apply lavender to my son's feet every night before he goes to sleep, or at least the nights that I do have him, and to my daughter, just a topical lavender to kind of calm them because we know lavender is really good uh, for anxiety. It's an anxiolytic, anti-anxiolytic agent. It's just good for relaxation. So I do do that. So uh, I also want to mention that gynecomastia, you commonly see gynecomastia in men who take certain medications. Uh, for example, I think antidepressants, one of the side effects of some of the SSRIs is gynecomastia. Typical gynecomastia is seen just in overweight people, overweight men. They get the male boobs. And if you want to go to Confessions of an Obese Child, that podcast episode, if you're not familiar with that podcast stream, uh, episode seven, I talk about my experiences having to wear a bra and as a teenager. And we just get flappy male breasts. Now, with some other men, it's too much estrogen, and other times it's too much medications, certain medications that do it. So it is a little uh, alarming here that we're seeing boys before puberty that are not overweight getting gynecomastia. But the good news is once you stop applying it, it goes away. Researchers at the NIEHS, including Kenneth Karach, PhD, a co-investigator for the new study, previously found laboratory evidence that lavender and tea tree oil have estrogenic or estrogen-like properties and anti-androgenic testosterone-inhibiting-like activities, meaning they compete or hinder the hormones that control male characteristics, which could affect puberty and growth. So we've already talked about that. Hormone disruptors typically turn into estrogen in both men and women. Under Korak's direction, Ramsey and his NIEHS colleagues went a step further. From the hundreds of chemicals that comprise lavender and tea tree oil, they selected for analysis eight components that are common and mandated for inclusion in the oils. So you have to have these oils in there to be considered both lavender and tea tree. Four of the tested chemicals out of the eight appear in both oils, eucalyptol, 4-terpeniol, dipentine-limonene, and alpha-terpeniol. The others were in either oil, linolate acetate, linolul, afroterpenine, and gamma-terpenine. Using in vitro or in the womb or test tube experiments, the researchers applied these chemicals to human cancer cells to measure changes of estrogen receptor and androgen receptor target genes in transcriptional activity. All eight chemicals demonstrated varying estrogenic and or anti-androgenic properties, with some showing high or little to no activity, the investigators reported. Ramsey said these changes were consistent with endogenous or bodily hormonal conditions that stimulate gynecomastia in prepubescent boys. That's a lot of chemical medical stuff. Quote, lavender oil and tea tree oil pose potential environmental health concerns and should be investigated further. Close quote. I love how scientists always hedge their bets. They never want to say anything like is bad, right? Or good. It's like, oh, we should investigate it more. A further concern, according to Ramsey, is that many of the chemicals they tested appear in at least 65 other essential oils. Essential oils are available without a prescription and are not regulated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Well, neither are vitamins, but this is concerning. Thus, the public should be aware of these findings and consider all evidence before deciding to use essential oils. Okay, so that's the end of the article. Let's wrap this up. This is going to be a quickie for Monday.
Okay, one of the reasons I wanted to bring up this article is not that I'm against aromatherapy in any way, shape, or form. Of course, if the if the website is called Naturopathy Earth, um, I'm pretty I'm pretty staunch. Uh, proponent of it. That being said, if you listen to past episodes, maybe the Q&A that I did with Kate, we had talked about some of the issues with Young Living and with doTERRA and and this proliferation of kind of door-to-door multi-level marketing uh, essential oils. And And the main problem is this, and it's not necessarily a problem. Like essential oils are great, but like with anything, they have to be used Appropriately, So if you talk to aromatherapists, licensed aromatherapists, they are kind of torn. They're ambivalent. They see the proliferation of all these essential oils at HEB or your supermarket or Whole Foods or Target as good and bad because they've you know, been, been fighting the good cause about why uh, essential oils are great for you for, for years. But at the same time, now they're being they're being abused, they're being misused, and it's not like people are intentionally misusing them. It's out of ignorance. So, no offense to any person who sells DoTerra Young Living oils or any other oils. I just picked those two because those two are the, probably the well, most well known. No offense to them, because I know a lot of these reps and they're good people. But it, it's like with. Uh, and, I'll, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll put myself down here, a little self-effacing stuff. I'm a certified health coach, health coach through Primal, which is paleo-inspired um, organization, Mark Sisson, for example. But, but, and I learned, and I've, take their, I've taken their classes and their programs, but by no means am I a, even a dietitian or a, a biomolecular uh, scientist or a medical doctor that deals with that. So my my information, albeit useful to you guys, uh, is not on the same level. Now, of course, you can be miseducated, and we've talked about this, how med schools miseducate people so badly. If go back to that episode with Dr. Knighton, the naturopathic doctor I interviewed back in episode 40s or so, and we talk about naturopathy 101, and go back to the, epi- the episode that I did with the holistic doctor as well. And we talk about this, how big pharma and big food and uh, now big telecommunication really pays for a lot of the curriculum and they determine what's, what's taught at med school. But going back to essential oils, so I don't know as much as these people don't. So the doTERRA reps, the Young Living reps, really honestly only know as much as they are told and as much they are taught by their organizations in the literature that their organizations provide. So one of the two big things that Kate sees and Kate and I see is one, ingesting of essential oils. This is very problematic. And if you Google this, you will find people torn. But if you talk to actual aromatherapists, licensed aromatherapists as a whole, there are certain oils that you can put in a drop or two and drink. But as a whole, most of them are vehemently against it because essential oils are extremely potent. They're in their most potent form, most diluted form through the extraction of the oil. And so by dropping drops of peppermint or lemon willy-nilly into every drink, you can cause hepatotoxology or hepato, uh, hepatotoxin or hepato liver damage. Liver damage. Uh, I'm trying to think of that. It's a, they could be called a hepatotoxin, but hepatotoxicity of the liver 
or hepatotoxicity. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. It can cause damage to your liver. Okay, let's just be succinct. And that is a major, major problem. The other problem that I see is over-diffusing of oils. So people will flip on their diffusers and have them on 17 hours a day. Now, if you have pure essential oils, and though this, this might sound kind of ironic because I've just said how they're the most polluted or most diluted form and they're very strong, it's one thing to have those running all day. But the majority of essential oils that we use, for example, Now. Now is a well-known company that makes essential oils to be sold in Targets and large supermarkets. Most of the cheaper, less expensive oils are diluted with solvents, fillers, preservatives, and a lot of these are made in China and Vietnam, and they're crap. They still smell like essential oils, but they're crap. Case in point, I bought Art Natural Oils or Artisan Oils from uh, Amazon, and these were like, I got eight of these, and they were like $15 for eight. Okay, I know, I know, but again, to Terry Young Living, these oils are extremely expensive, and unless you know a family member that has them, sometimes you can get them for free or discounted. I really don't. So I, I purchased these in a small diffuser, and when I opened them up, I smelled them. They all smelled like garbage. They, the lemon oil didn't smell like lemon. Uh, the lavender had a, a slight aroma of lemon. The rosemary, I mean, they smell like chemicals because these are inferior grade. So similar to cigarette smoking or vaping or smoking pot or any of these things, when you diffuse these inferior oils, you're inhaling the toxicants that they put in there. Similar to fluoride and chlorine in the shower, you're inhaling that. So my takeaway there is only diffuse maybe 30 minutes, two, three times a day. And again, if you don't believe me, just go to an aromatherapist website or go to some of the more leading authors like uh, Tisserin, Mark Tisserin, Dr. Tisserin. He's a well-known aromatherapist, and he's one of those John the Baptist crying out in the wilderness people who have exhorted people not to do the two things I've mentioned, which is ingesting and diffusing for a long amount of time. So, and, and I, know, I know some, some, especially doTERRA reps or people who've bought into the Kool-Aid and drank the Kool-Aid of essential oils, they will flip on these diffusers uh, next to their, their child's bed all night. Now, I'm not going to say that every kid who's next to a diffuser that diffuses every night all night is going to have organ failure and die. I'm not saying that. You know, we all are different genetically and some of us are more predisposed than others to having issues, right? It's epigenetics. So we're all built differently. What I'm saying is that just be a little more circumspect. Just just be a little more cautious on how you use the oils. If you're going to use the oils, buy the good quality, you know, the good the good sheet bed sheets and don't buy the inferior stuff. Invest in the money even though of course I'm not practicing what I preach. And the other thing is just use them very cautiously. And when it comes to this article, the good news is if you stop applying it topically to boys, the breasts will go away. But how about we just don't apply these topically, at least the tea tree and at least the lavender, even though the articles from endocrine.org said that most of these chemicals, the eight that, that were listed in the article, are found in many essential oils. So let's just maybe tone down the usage and just read up on it and become more educated on how to use them properly. 
Okay, the last thing I want to mention, of course, is you find if any of this information useful, please subscribe to this podcast. It takes you literally one move of your hand to do it, and it costs nothing, and it helps Kate and I a great deal. And post a review on however you listen to these podcasts, and that helps us out a great deal. Until next time, guys, take care. Please check out Kate's Apothecary and Confessions of an Obese Child and see if you like the material over there. Happy Easter Monday. I know a lot of Catholics take Easter Monday off because Easter, actually, not to go off topic, is an actual eight-day celebration in the Catholic and Orthodox world. It's eight days that we celebrate. It's not just one day. Similar to Christmas, we get the 12 days of Christmas mixed up. Christmas is actually... 12 days long celebration. We actually, the Christmas season in the liturgical calendar of the, of the old school Christians, like the Orthodox, the Coptics, the Armenians, and the Catholics, goes from Christmas Day to the day of Epiphany, which is the day the wise men gave the gifts to baby Jesus. So we typically miss think of the 12 days of Christmas as the 12 days before Christmas. No, Christmas should be celebrated for 12 days because it's such a joyous day. And similar with Easter, the Easter week, the week after Easter is a, is a joyous day. And I know there's some people here who might, or might not be Christian or they're atheists or seculars, which is fine too. Just go pet more Easter bunnies and eat more candy and peeps. Okay, guys, take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Earth Radio. Visit us at www.naturopathicearth.com, follow us on Twitter at Naturopath Earth, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Don't forget to leave a review. And remember our core belief at naturopathicearth.com. Let food be thy medicine, let nature be thy healer. See you next time. Music courtesy of Art of Escapism.